Let's take our Bibles, go to the book of Philemon this evening. We're going to start round two in this series of messages of a longer look at the little letters. Uh, These four books that have one chapter each, some call them postcards rather than letters. Uh, The book of Philemon, um, uh, 2nd and 3rd John, and then the book of Jude. We've preached through each of them one time or gone a message through each of them one time. And we're going to go back at least one more round and look a little bit more into them and get another thought. And this evening, I, as I prepared and read and worked through this, I believe the Lord's led me to a thought, and I'm going to call it our love life tonight. And certainly not, a, not speaking in a human way, but our love for the Lord. And I um, want to bring this back around to us this evening here out of the book of Philemon. Uh, the first time through, we considered the power of the gospel, if you remember. Uh, The life-changing gospel was the actual thought that we went through the book of Philemon with. And uh, we looked at two of the individuals, two of the characters, the two primary ones, uh, or two of the primary ones, Paul and Onesimus. And uh, uh, Paul, excuse me, was before Christ, he was the great persecutor of the gospel. But after the gospel, he had become the great preacher of the gospel. And how can there be such a revolutionary change and such a different change in a man's life other than the gospel making this great impact on him? Then Onesimus, who had proven himself multiple times to be an unprofitable servant, but after being saved, he was transformed, and Paul assured Philemon that he would become a profitable servant. And again, how was that possible? It was because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We spoke that evening about, I'm sure many of us in here could give a testimony of what we were before Christ and what God did in our lives after salvation. As I went through my notes on that previous message in preparation for tonight's message, I was reminded of the testimony of John Newton, the author of probably uh, uh, the most beloved hymn of all time, Amazing Grace. John Newton, before Christ, was... um, uh, as about as bad of a man as there could be. Uh, he was a sailor, and one of the things I was reading about him is that he lived such a debauched life that he even made sailors blush about his lifestyle. And, and they said in that testimony, said, that's difficult to do to make a, a sailor embarrassed about a man's language and about a man's behavior. And that's the way he was. He was a slave trader. And, uh, but he had a faithful mom praying for him and had a mom that had prayed for him faithfully and that tried to lead him in the right way. And when uh, John Newton hit the very bottoms of his life, uh, a slave trader became a slave. And uh, that brought him around. And then he was almost in a, uh, a killed at sea in a, in a terrible storm. That brought him around till he surrendered his life. And he became this great preacher of the gospel A great man with a great testimony and, of course, penned those words, amazing grace. How does that happen? How can a man be so revolutionary changed? And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. This evening, we're going to go a little bit farther into this book here. Philemon, again, talk about the love life. It's not my plan to keep us long this evening. I think I just have a few minutes for us this evening. But as you know, that good plans have gone awry at times. 
but I really do think we'll get done here pretty quick this evening. Uh, I read through the book of Philemon multiple times for this study, the 25 verses. And by the way, if you're ever studying for something, that's what I'd encourage you to do. Just read that passage multiple times, over and over again. You'll be amazed at how God starts bringing words and thoughts out to you. And as I read through it multiple times, my, my eye was drawn to some words. Uh, I'm going to just read those verses this evening. Look at verse number 1. And see if you can see the, the common word in each of these verses. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Verse 2. And to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church in thy house. Verse 5. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. In verse 9, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And then two final verses, verse 15 and 16. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Let me remind us this evening what the book of Philemon's about without reading the entire passage of Scripture. Uh, Paul is a prisoner in Rome, and while a prisoner in Rome, he meets a fellow inmate. By the way, I believe we're going to get to heaven one day and meet a lot of fellow inmates of Paul and former prison guards of Paul. Uh, those guys had no idea what they were getting themselves into when they got chained next to him or in a cell block with him uh, because he was this great preacher of the gospel. And he meets Onesimus, and uh, through uh, Paul's ministry to him, Onesimus is saved. And they find out that they know some of the same people. We've talked about that too. Isn't it amazing how uh, when you know Christ, how the world gets pretty small, you meet people all across uh, that, that may know someone that you know only because of our connection with Jesus Christ. And they find out that they have this man Philemon in common. And uh, Onesimus shares with Paul, well, I was a servant or a slave to Philemon, but I ran away. I, I stole from him and then I ran away. He finds himself in prison in Rome, gets saved, and now Paul is sending him back to Philemon with this letter in hand and asking Philemon to receive him again, asking Onesimus to go back and fulfill his commitment to his, sir, his master. He's asking these things of both of these men with this letter in mind here. And as he does that, I believe that as we saw these verses this evening, that whether on purpose or not, or it's just how the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Paul's going to appeal to this love. He calls him beloved multiple times. He speaks about love multiple times. And it's as he's appealing to our, 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 our need to have love in our lives that will enable us, that would enable Onesimus to go back, that would enable Philemon to receive him. As I emphasize this morning, the importance of love. 
loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And when we have the proper love, everything else gets in its proper place. I thought about this. Loving God supremely elevates all others of our loves, doesn't it? When I love God the most, all other loves are elevated. Uh, uh, if, in fact, if I love my wife the most, I could not love her as much as if and I love God the most. And so loving God supremely elevates all other loves. Loving God supremely organizes all other loves. It puts them in the proper place, in their proper order. And then loving God supremely overcomes all other wrongs and hurts in our lives. And that's what was happening here. There have been a lot of wrongs. I'm certain there were probably wrongs in the life of Philemon. Now, as I mentioned in this first message, slavery was an accepted practice at this time. Paul wrote to servants and slaves, and he, he uh, encouraged them and beseeched them that they would be the right kind of servant or slave. It was accepted at this time, but it's probably likely that Philemon wasn't always a good master. There were some things Onesimus had to put behind him. There were some things that he would have to say, I, I'm going to let it go, and he could do that when love was in the proper place. And on the same fashion, there was... Some things Onesimus did wrong. We know that he stole from Philemon. He ran away. And by the way, both of those were, uh, uh, could, could, could cause his death if captured. He could be put to death because of his stealing. He could be put to death because of his running away. And so, but it could be overcome in the life of Philemon. He could let those things go by loving God supremely. And so Paul appeals multiple times with this thought. So let me share with you quickly three areas that I think we all have problems at time overcoming that I believe we can overcome when our love life is where it needs to be. So number one this evening, forgiveness is possible. Forgiveness is possible when our love life is correct. Look at verses 8 through 12, if you will, tonight. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels." Onesimus had again been this servant or slave of Philemon. He's stolen from Philemon. He's run away. His crimes were punishable by death if captured. And it appears that Onesimus, even when he was there, probably wasn't one of the better servants or slaves of Philemon. Paul uses this there in verse number 11. He uses this play on the name of Onesimus, the name Onesimus, if you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, it means profitable. And so Paul uses that in verse 11 that he at one time was unprofitable to thee, but now profitable. And so there was a time in Onesimus' life that he wasn't a good slave. Yet in spite of his poor work, in spite of his stealing, in spite of his departure, Paul has Onesimus return to Philemon 
and he's asking Philemon to receive Onesimus, to accept him as a servant, and receive him as a brother in Christ. He's asking him, I'm asking you to put this all behind you. I'm asking you to forgive him as a brother in Christ. Although we don't see the word forgiveness in this passage, that's what Paul was asking for. Onesimus, you, or excuse me, Philemon, you need to forgive him. Now, forgiveness is difficult for many individuals, including believers, to practice. But forgiveness, if we look at our faith, is one of the foundations of our faith, isn't it? In fact, without forgiveness, there would be no deliverance from our sins. Let me share with you uh, what I believe to be one of the, the greatest passages that has helped me to learn from my necessity to forgive people, even when they're not uh, easy to forgive, even when they've been uh, multiple times wronged me, then I still need to forgive. Would you look to Ephesians chapter number 4 this evening? Ephesians chapter number 4. You'll notice verse 29 down through the end of the chapter, verse 32, Paul says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put, away from, uh, be put away from you with all malice. Now get verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Here it is, forgiving one another. We're to forgive one another, but then he gives us the whole key to this. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Years ago at a previous pastorate, I was counseling a couple that were having serious marital issues and problems and had had them a long time. And um, there was uh, lots of problems and issues. There had been uh, things that needed to uh, be dealt with and, and, and forgiveness was needed on both sides. And I remember talking to them one evening and uh, trying to help this couple, and, and uh, one of the individuals in that marriage looked at me and said, how do you, you think that I should forgive and point it at their spouse? And I said, yes. And they said, why should I forgive them? And really, humanly speaking, there weren't a lot of reasons that I could give. And I said, well... The only reason that I can think of that you should forgive that individual is because God forgave you. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And I looked at that individual and I said, you've been unfaithful to God. You've, you have not been all that you should be to God. You have been lazy in your relationship with God at times in your life. And yet God has forgiven you. And so this evening, uh, forgiveness is a key part to our Christian life. It's a core fundamental of, 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 for, of living the Christian life, of having forgiveness. 
And it's only possible when your love life is where it needs to be. Loving God supremely will enable you to forgive. Not only is forgiving possible when our love life is correct, but serving is possible when our love life is correct. Look at verse 13 down through 17. Whom I would have retained with me, he's speaking now of Onesimus, he said, I would have kept him with me, that is, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind or without thy permission would I do nothing, that thy benefits should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. That's an amazing verse there, I think. Again, Paul is saying, hey, maybe he left you for a, for a season there, that he should be, in other words, maybe he would have never gotten saved back there with you. Maybe back in uh, Colossae where he was there, perhaps he would have never been born again. And so God allowed this. Oh, thank God for the providence of God and how he works in, in our lives. And he sets the chess pieces in places just for the things of this life. You think back in your life and how you were at the right, at the right place at the right moment to be saved. That's God that orchestrated those things. And Paul says once again, perhaps he left you for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, not, as, not now as a servant, but as above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul hits on this servant again here. And again, this is a big, this is a big ask for Onesimus. Hey, you've escaped, you've gotten away, and although you're in prison here in Rome, apparently he's being let go. He's able to go back to Colossae, and he's saying, I want you to go back there. And I imagine that was a difficult thing for this slave, this runaway slave, to say, okay, I'll go back to this place. I'll go back and continue to be a servant, continue to be a slave. And again, service is another one of the foundations of our Christian faith. Paul is asking Onesimus to go back and fulfill his role as a servant, this time as a brother in Christ, and to serve in that fashion as a brother. And I'm only able to serve others when my love life is correct. When I struggle with my love life, I struggle with being a servant. I struggle with all that comes with that. And again, we have the greatest example on service from none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to read a passage of Scripture to you. You follow along with me in Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse, the first eight verses are some amazing verses. And notice... And let these words speak to you on this area of service this evening. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of, lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 
Let this mind, this mind that he's just described, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen, service and serving others is possible when our love life is where it needs to be. One more thought this evening. Not only is forgiveness possible and service possible when our love life is correct, giving is possible when our love life is correct. Verse 18 and 19. Paul puts it on himself now. He says, If he, if Onesimus hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Paul, we believe, many believe that his thorn in the flesh was his eyesight. Uh, We believe that he had a a blindness. Uh, He often wrote uh, his letters with a secretary, someone that penned, wrote the words out for him. But periodically or occasionally we'll see where Paul will mention um, uh, that he's written and he'll mention that they were large letters And we're not thinking he's talking about the length of the letter as much as he's talking about the size of the A's and the B's and the C's and and the the, the big, because he had to write big because of his poor eyesight. It wasn't common for him to pen his own letters is what I'm saying. But in this instance, he either wrote the entire 25 verses or he's saying this, I've paused my secretary from writing these words and I'm going to pen this myself. I will repay I will take care of the debt that Onesimus owes you. Paul was saying, whatever it is, however much it is, I'm going to repay. I'm going to give what he owes. Giving is possible when our love life is where it needs to be. Why do you think Paul was able to volunteer to pay the debt for Onesimus? If anybody would know, about what Christ had done for him, it would be Paul, wouldn't it? And what, what that God had paid in his life. Certainly his love life was in good order, but Paul also remembers that someone had paid his own debts. I wish I could sing it for you this evening, but you've heard these lyrics before. Let me read them, not sing them to you. I had a debt that I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Listen, when I recognize what God has done for me, when I recognize what Jesus Christ did for me and what he paid for me, When we recognize that and our love for him is elevated where it needs to be, giving is possible. Sacrificial giving is possible. Digging deep is possible. 
giving when you don't think you can give anymore is possible. And it all comes from this heart of love. In a financial way, sometimes that's the easiest way for us to get, for some people, you know, I'll just give. But there's also the giving of ourselves. Paul was committing to something here. Paul was uh, putting himself on the line here. And he was willing to give both financial and himself because he had the correct love in his life. Do you remember when you fell in love with Jesus for that, like, early on in your Christian life? Especially if maybe if you were a little older and you, and you knew what you were saved from. I got saved at six years old. I mean, I was, I was a pretty bad kid, but I, I, wasn't, I wasn't as bad as some of you were, had gotten in your life when you were saved, you know? You, you, when you were a little older and you recognized what you, what you had done, wasn't there this love in you that you were willing at, at that point just about to do anything? Whatever God laid there, you know, you're volunteering for anything at church, you're getting involved in these things because you've got this, this extreme love. Then life happens and years happen and sometimes that love just gets a little bit and it gets out of where it doesn't need to be. I want to ask you tonight, would you look at your love life? Would you examine where your love for the Lord is at? And let's see if it needs to be elevated. Get it back up where it needs to be. Listen, when you do that, forgiveness is possible. Service is possible. Giving is possible. We could go through multiple parts of our Bible and find many other things that we have difficulties doing and accomplish them and do them when our love life is where it needs to be. When Rachel and I first met, it was in the olden days before text messaging and emailing. There was none of that. I had a pay phone in the dorm that I would go to. My parents had given me a long distance card. He had to enter like... 87 numbers in before that. Does anybody remember those? My mom and dad would fuss at me every month with this incredibly large phone bill that they were receiving. And, but I'm like, Dad, I love her. Let me talk to her. And, but we would write letters to each other. And, uh, uh, you know, actually put a stamp on them and put them in the mailbox and open up my mailbox there and get that out. And... Uh, Every once in a while, I'll come across a box in our stash of junk now for the years, and I'll open up and I'll see some of those letters. And I'll take them out and I'll read them again from 1991 and 1992. And and I'll read these love letters. You know what that does for me? It elevates my love for my wife. It reminds me of that. You know how you can fall in love with the Lord again tonight? Go back and read his love letter. Go back and just spend a little bit of time in there and find out again how much God loves you, what he's done for you, and it's going to elevate your love for him. And you can do the things that we find hard to do. These three examples, forgiveness, service, giving, many other things. Maybe I didn't name what you're struggling with tonight, but it can be overcome when your love life is where it needs to be. Let's bow your heads and close your eyes this evening. Jan is going to come and play a verse of invitation. And Tonight I'd ask you to examine your love life. Tonight I challenge you to go back and read a love letter from God.
Go back and read some of those favorite psalms. Go back and read a passage of Scripture that means much to you. Maybe dig in a little deeper and go someplace you've not been before. and Let God's Word speak and minister to your heart. and Fall in love with the Lord a little bit more this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, help our love life to be where it needs to be. Lord, I pray, God, that you would um, use this invitation now, Lord. Help us all to be obedient to you whether that's remaining at our pew and praying there or coming to the altar this evening. Lord, if that's going to somebody and seeking forgiveness. Lord, if that's getting involved in ministry and service for the Lord. If that's giving of finances or our, ourselves or some other aspect, God, that you've put, touched our hearts on this evening. Help us to be obedient to you in these moments. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed as Jana plays a verse of invitation. You be obedient to the Lord this evening.